This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's real simple, you know, if you take a person's legs away, they can't run. Bear down, baby. That's it. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Haw and Dan Weeder. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I'm David Haw from the Mullin Haw Show on 670 The Score. Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune. It is the 20. 20- 23 season finally it is Packers week Dan lots to go over a lot to predict a lot going on no doubt David Bears had a a very light practice ish thing on Monday on Labor Day Uh, it was more of a a controlled walkthrough a little seven on seven at the end but you felt like we were there you know we felt like it was Packers week talking to people inside the building there that, that that game week excitement that eagerness that curiosity is building and and september 10th is now less than a week away right it's this week and we get a 325 kickoff at soldier field to start to answer all the questions that we've posed since we last saw the bears play a game last january let's remind everybody you can get us on your free odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast you can watch us on the 670 the scores youtube page and we will be here every week during the season dropping on Wednesday mornings and also Friday mornings. And then our post-game reaction podcast will come after Sunday's game, which will be a long, long day. But let's not waste any more time. Let's get to our opening drive. It's time for the opening, the, the opening drive. You know it's football season when the sound effects return. I'm so pumped up. I'm so pumped up. That just like it gave me a spike in blood pressure there. It did me too. It scared me a little bit too. (laughs) I'm a little startled. I feel like a rookie in the pocket. All right. So Dan, I want to know this before we get on to some of the um, obviously looking at this game a little bit closer, but I think that there are two questions that I have coming out of the Labor Day practice and certainly the Bears have Tuesday off, but heading into really the, the bulk of preparation when we get our first injury reports, and they're both related to key players. Jaquan Brisker's availability, he hates the Packers. That's great, but is he going to be able to play against them? And Cody Whitehair, he's got a splint on his pinky. He's got an injured hand. Is that the reason he's not snapping the ball or playing center? Because I think he's penciling in at left guard. What did the coaches have to say, and maybe Cody Whitehair himself have to say about their status? So the, the splint is on Cody's left pinky. Okay. That's unrelated to the hand injury he suffered in Indianapolis, which had him wearing some protective stuff on his right hand, his snapping hand during the last couple of weeks of, of the preseason. Uh, I think that the mission here is to find the best combination of five in the places they fit the best. And the bears feel more comfortable going to the starting gate on Sunday afternoon with Lucas Patrick as their starting center and Cody Warhair playing left guard. So I think that is going to be kind of the, I don't want to say permanent alignment because we know nothing with the Bears offensive line is, is even close to permanent. But if, if given their druthers, I think that's the way they're going to line up for the entire month of September. Uh, no no uh, injury-related decisions involved with that. It's just that's the way they feel 
good there. Now, you mentioned Jaquan Brisker. He's missed more than a month of practice time now. We also know a year ago, Jaquan Brisker had thumb surgery after hurting his thumb during the preseason and, and pushed himself to get back on the field for the season opener and was able to do so. This is a different situation. What is the situation? I have no idea. Sticking to club rules, Jaquan Brisker would not tell us what has been bothering him. He just said that he's feeling better. He feels night and day better than he did two weeks ago. And all we've heard from inside the building is what happens on Wednesday is going to be paramount for his availability because they'll have a padded practice. And whatever it is that's bothering Jaquan Brisker, he'll see how he responds to that padded practice to see if he's ready for Sunday. Now, here's the good news. On Wednesday afternoon, after that padded practice, the Bears will have to submit an injury report to the league, which will give us the body part, the mystery body part that has been bothering Jaquan Brisker uh, for the better part of the last month. And we'll at least have a little bit more information uh, to figure out where this is headed. I know the kid wants to play. He's going to do everything he can to get himself ready. And then it's a, a matter of, does he get the clearance? Does he get the, the green light understanding that this is about more than just week one against the Packers? There's 18 weeks to navigate. There's a lot in that because I think that he definitely means a lot to this defense. I do wonder if he's not going to play and starts to miss some time. You know, you always worry about a guy becoming injury prone because he did miss a lot of action last year with the concussion. And early on, it took him a while to get ramped up because of the thumb. And I don't want that to be the case with a guy who I think means a lot to this group. <laughs> if you're if you're ranking impactful defensive players on the Bears, how far down do you go before you get to Jaquan Brisker? No, not far. Not far at all. And it's funny you ask that because, you know, we talked for the first few weeks of training camp about how good he looked, how how, how fast and strong and, and active, and then how loud he was on the back end with that contagious energy that, that spreads throughout the defense. And so on Monday, when we got a chance to talk to Jaquan, I said, before you got hurt, how did you feel about the camp you were having? And he said, all pro camp. You know, that was the direction it was on. He felt like he was having an all pro camp. And that's where his mindset is. That's where all these guys on the back end right now are playing with supreme confidence. They all need to be healthy. They all need to be in there together because one through five, when you've got those five starters in the defensive backfield, you feel really good about it. And to your point, Jaquan Brisker is going to be a huge playmaking piece in this defense that the Bears need uh, to take a huge jump in, in season two to go where they want to go. Was there anything to Eddie Jackson declining to speak to reporters uh, when given the chance? Is there anything to look into that? I, I don't want to make too much out of nothing, but I do wonder because it's Eddie Jackson and he is a captain, if there's anything there. Nothing I can say on this podcast. Okay. That's really a terrible tease, <laughs> but I do appreciate where you're coming from. I, I just think that, you know, these are guys, it's before the season. There's got, there can't be problems. There can't be issues. You want everything to be, you know, hunky dory. It's, it's they're undefeated. They're never going to be better than Packer week before the season opener. There's going to be, I, I will bet you. Uh, $200 that Eddie Jackson will speak at his locker on Wednesday and or Thursday and give a, a whole lot of time and a whole lot of thoughts and a whole lot of uh, information to us. Certainly we would have liked to have it Monday. That's all I can say. I look forward to that. Open locker room, David. Open locker room Wednesday is going to be a great, great thing because now we're back in there and we're able to, uh, to farm that, that fertile ground as much as we can. Last thing before we move on to some of our predictions and breaking down uh, Justin Fields' season in the way that you did in Chicago Tribune, which was very good, by the way. So when you look at um, what Matt Eberflus wouldn't say about the backup quarterback situation, which I think gets a lot of attention, but hopefully it's a moot point because Justin Fields takes every snap and plays all 17 games, unrealistic. 
But what's the latest on the QB2 situation? Well, the release came out for this Bears-Packers game on Sunday. And within that release, there is a depth chart. And within that depth chart, they listed a second quarterback. And the second quarterback, as of right now, is listed as Nathan Peterman. Take that at face value, probably. I think that's the direction they've been leaning all along, understanding that they're going to want a little bit of a veteran presence in that role, at least initially. Uh, that's how they, they list it on their depth chart. And, and there, there's a, a reason they go through that exercise. That would be my, my guess on the way it goes. It's the same thing with, with Lucas Patrick at center uh, and Cody Whitehair at left guard. Um, we'll see if they have anything more to say about it. We'll have a chance to talk to Luke Getze, I believe on Thursday, we'll talk to Justin again on Wednesday. Uh, but that would be my sense is that, that you would have Peterman as your two and Bajan as your emergency three. Let's uh, play this out for members of the Bajancy who might be a little disappointed here. Uh, so Sunday, with the new rules, there are three quarterbacks on the Bears' 53-man roster. All three can dress under new, the new rules. If Justin Fields gets banged up and the backup has to go in for a series or two, and let's say it's even a quarter and there's, he's inconsistent and he throws a pick and he wants needs to be replaced, can the number three quarterback come in and replace him or does it have to be in the case in event of an injury? If he is not active, if he is not part of that active roster, if he's just the emergency QB three, then he has to, the QB two has to be injured and leave the game. Okay. Now, if QB two leaves the game and then gets cleared and is able to come back in, he can come back in the game and replace QB three. But QB three can only play if the first two quarterbacks are injured, uh, unless he is part of the active roster. The the, the whole new rule here gives gives you that it, the ability to. Um, have that guy dressed and, and able to play without using an active roster spot. This brings up a question for me. I don't know if you can shed any light on it. I don't understand why they ever uh, implemented inactive players on game day. If you've got a 53-man roster, why can't everybody on the 53-man roster just be eligible to play in that game? That's a, a question I've never really fully understood because it creates all this sort of crazy uh, – uncertainty and chaos at a time when the league continues to talk about player health and safety. And then a lot of games, you've got five guys who are perfectly healthy and able to come to a game that can't play because you had to declare them inactive 90 minutes before kickoff. It's a great question. I, I don't know the answer to that. I think I used to know it, but I have forgotten it, but, I, but I, I don't know that it makes much sense to me. That's something that we should get. Uh, that sounds like it would be a good, like thought number eight or nine on Brad Biggs's 10 thoughts on one of these Monday mornings. So maybe we'll get Bigsy on that. Uh, Believe me, I suggest thoughts. I suggest thoughts every week for Brad, and, and many of them are his own thoughts that I say, why don't you put that in 10 thoughts instead of just sharing it for me? So I will continue to push him in directions uh, that the, he hopefully the, will go. There was a time when Bigsy and I would have a dialogue going in the press box, and you said, why don't you guys get a podcast? So <laughs> I think that, you know, one of us did. So I don't know. We'll, we'll have to go back to that. But, yeah, it's a good idea. I don't understand why you have 53 guys – on the roster, if only 45 or 46 can be dressed on game day. It doesn't make any sense to me at all. Yeah, no, we'll, we'll okay. search for those answers. Yeah. So any other personnel tidbits, information that uh, are relevant to the preparation before the Packers game? Look, I mean, we were out there for stretching during the Monday practice, but they seem a lot healthier than they were a week or two weeks ago. And so you feel good about uh, the direction that, that their health has trended with the season opener coming again. The Wednesday afternoon practice injury report is going to be uh, very intriguing for us to look at. And certainly uh, we'll learn more than we've learned from Matt Eberflus during this time. 
Um, and and that, that that's about it. You know, we're, we're looking to figure out what the, the two offensive, the two lines look like offensively and defensively. Right. We, we haven't had a good chance during the month of August to get to get a good feel for what either of those units are going to play like when the regular season begins. So uh, worth keeping an eye on, obviously, in week one. Hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Okay, since this is the beginning of game week, the first one in a long time, I want to warn our audience, now is the time for a sound effect. We're going to do the quarterback breakdown here every week, and this time, before there's a game, we're going to look at some of the uh, statistical predictions for Justin Fields, what makes sense. And Dan, I really enjoyed your look at this kind of analytically and also kind of practically when you do in the Chicago Tribune and chicagotribune.com of what is realistic for Justin Fields. Let's start with passing yards, and then you can take it from there wherever you want it to go. I believe you predicted right around 3,200 passing yards, right around 225 a game. I thought 3,000 would be um, kind of realistic because if he plays in 15 games, 200 yards passing makes a lot of sense. Whatever, if, if it's either – 3,000 or 3,200, it's going to be a career high. And it's going to be a mark where he has not been that consistent. How how realistic do you think it is to sit here on, you know, first week in September and to project Justin Fields is going to have 3,000 or more yards passing? Um, it's reasonable. I mean, it's certainly reasonable. It's within reach. And I think part of this exercise was, was, was to set – realistic goals that are reasonable. They're not too lofty. We didn't say, Hey, go get 4,000. Like you proclaimed you were going to do in the summer. Uh, let's start. Let's start with, with things that, that kind of make sense given statistical trends, given other things, you know, I, I bring this up all the time that the bears being the last remaining NFL franchise without a 4,000 yard passer is embarrassing in this day and age. You know, there's been uh, 42 quarterbacks in the last 20 years have thrown for 4,000 yards at least once in a season. There were eight players who did it a year ago. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, obviously, <laughs> is the, the obvious one. And then you've got lower-tier guys like Geno Smith and Jared Goff who were able to do it. No Bears quarterback in the history of the sport has ever uh, reached that. And I, I wrote in my piece on ChicagoTribune.com, David, that nothing screams that's so Bears like a franchise passing milestone that was set during a 9-7 and seven third place season last century. <laughs> so, so, look, I'm not asking Justin to break the 38-38 from Eric Kramer, uh, but you have to be more prolific as a passer. You have to be able to 
do the things we've talked about all offseason, which is develop that pocket presence, that poise, the ability to get rid of the ball quickly, allow your playmakers to do work like they did in that first preseason game and just start to build that production in a way that's meaningful. And so, yeah, I called for 3,200 passing yards, at least seven games with 225 yards, and I asked for three of 300 yards. That's a lofty goal. But look, like in this day and age, 2023 in the NFL, that should not be a, a crazy ask. I don't know that he's going to have three 300-yard passing games. I hope I hope he does. That's a, that is a attainable goal, and it shouldn't be that outrageous. I, I just don't know if they're going to commit to the pass that much or have to at times. But I, I do think the others are are realistic. And, and if he does fall short and he doesn't get 3,000 yards passing, I think it's going to make a, quite a statement depending on – how they're able to move the ball other than that or how available he is there isn't so yeah i think that what you established what i established i think those are both within within reason i think the sports books all have it uh, at around 2800 right now so you know when, when when vegas is setting it that low you know there's some questions out there and we're just asking for a little bit more one of the key things i think in terms of your prediction was the turnover uh prediction and i think 10 or fewer interceptions eight or fewer fumbles that seems like if if those numbers stay below the, the, those thresholds that it's going to be a very efficient offense and i think that they're going to strike the balance if that's the case between justin fields game breaker and justin fields game manager you don't want them to be too much of a game manager and then you don't want them to be so aggressive to try to be the game breaker you want them to come somewhere in between and I think it, those numbers probably imply that if he were to be that careful with the football and protect it as well as that, he, he would accomplish that. Well, we talked previously about Luke Getze putting forth that directive of don't lose the game. You know, if you get tricked, don't lose the game. Just make sure you keep all of the sloppiness to a minimum, if, if possible. Justin's had 25 career starts. He's thrown 21 interceptions and fumbled the ball. 28 times, only seven of those lost. Last year, there were people who said, look, he didn't throw a whole lot of interceptions. Well, he didn't throw the ball a lot. So his interception rate was actually a, a little bit alarming. It was a 3.5% interception rate a year ago, which ranked 31st among qualifying passers in the NFL. Even more worrisome, David, it was 7.1% in the fourth quarter, which ranked 35th among quarterbacks with at least 64th quarter passes. And so you see this, this uh-oh. Hold on. Know, <laughs> 35th? 35th. There are 32 teams. Yeah. Yeah. 35th. Okay. Yeah. So it tells you, look, like ball security has not many strength for this quarterback through his first two seasons in the league. Ball security must be a strength of this quarterback in season three if he wants to be this quarterback in season four for the Chicago Bears. So in addition to what you said, the interception total of 10 or below and eight or fewer fumbles, let's add an interception rate of 2.2% or below, that should get you right around the top half of the league, and that is really what you're aiming for in what is a pivotal season here. Now, I also thought it was interesting that you established a, a goal for sacks, which I think can be under can, can be influenced certainly by the quarterback. It also could be you know, predicated by how durable and consistent the offensive line is. It's usually a combination of both and you have fewer than 40 sacks in a sack rate of 8% or better. Okay, so this one's interesting because you heard the general manager last week when asked what are some of the things you're going to be looking for from Justin to confirm that he's moving in the right direction. He said fewer interceptions and take fewer sacks. Like the general manager vocally said that, that, that 
the quarterback has to take fewer sacks, which tells you that he doesn't believe that all of those 55 that just <clears throat> that Justin took in 2022 were the fault of the offensive line, that the quarterback sometimes has to understand when, when trouble is there and get rid of the football and not take these big losses. Justin's sack rate, which Brad Biggs and I ha- had both heard from people around the league who said, look at this. If you want to see a stat that's going to alarm you, it's the sack rate that Justin Fields had in 2022. And it was up at 14.7%. David, that was not only the worst in the NFL last season, it was the fourth worst among quarterbacks with at least 250 passing attempts since the sack became an official stat in 1982. Okay. So it tells you your quarterback was on his back too often with the ball in his hands and not able to avoid some of those big losses that kill drives, which then kill uh, games really. And, and, and put you down in that, that realm. Yes. They're going to need to have more stability up front. They're going to need to have more continuity up front. The quarterback's also going to have to understand what is being asked of him in this regard. And so when you ask, Hey, Fewer than 40 sacks, okay, that's a huge improvement over a year ago, but it's going to be reasonable considering where the league's at. And then the sack rate of 8%, that's considerably better than it was a year ago. Uh, so that's a, a good number to kind of have in the back of your head because uh, that, that's important. Now, look, like the, the 14.7 is a bit misleading because it, it doesn't take into account some of those sacks that Justin avoided, took off running, and turned into positive yards with, with positive scrambles. So that skews it a little bit, but it's still, when it's the fourth worst since 1982, you understand that it was problematic and people around the league looked at that and go, whoa, that that is a, a jarring number. It does skew it when he's able to make those kind of plays with his feet, but it also contributes to the problem because whenever there might be a, a situation where he thinks that he can hold on to the ball maybe just a tad bit longer because he can escape the rush, maybe he doesn't and he didn't take a sack. And so that contributes to it as well which is why he holds on to the ball so long because he feels like he can always escape pressure. Yeah, no question. And so you, this is this comes back to presence. It comes back to feel. It comes back to poise. And all those things will be tested right away yeah. and through the duration of the season. On to the uh, prediction for explosive plays. In 2022, Justin Fields had 32 completions of at least 20 yards, including five touchdowns. If those numbers are repeated, this is not going to be an offense as explosive as we expect it to be. DJ Moore is here to fix that, to help remedy that. I think if you get a healthy Chase Claypool, it's also going to be a factor. Same with Darnell Mooney. Maybe Roshan Johnson is a home run guy. Don't know. But to me, you've got to have 32 com- – you have to have much more than 32 completions of at least 20 yards. That's two per game, and that's not going to be good enough for this quarterback to take the next step. So I've asked for 45 explosives, 45 completions of at least 20 yards with seven of those uh, being touchdown passes. Let's get those those explosive touchdowns ticking upwards. I think one of the coolest things to happen in the preseason was two passes completed to DJ Moore for more than 100 yards. One of them was thrown two yards behind the line of scrimmage. One of them was thrown 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage. And so if that, that was uh, a lesson for Justin to understand that we got you this guy for a reason. He's going to help you out. He's going to, in Justin's own words, make your job easy by just getting him the football and letting him use some of his special gifts. That's going to be huge towards creating these explosive plays. You're going to be able to, to hopefully rely on a screen game here and there to, 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 to catch a defense off guard, dump it off to a back, and hope that gets you 22 here and there, right? And so all these things are, are uh, Justin Fields' statistics that Justin Fields isn't solely responsible for, and he's got to understand that, that you don't have to do it all on your own. You have an upgraded supporting cast. Let these guys do some work here. Hopefully that will push these explosive plays upwards uh, to that number that I set, 45.
the next category is the one that is the most controversial and the one that basically uh, you've taken the most heat about. And we both together have talked about the inability to come through in the clutch, maybe late in games. The Bears were 31st in the league last year in fourth quarter points. Justin Fields threw six fourth quarter interceptions, which was second to last in the league. Very difficult to to kind of quantify this, but I think you know it when you see it. And also there are situations where you just want your quarterback to will the offense, as they say, or just to do something out of the ordinary and become that guy who earns that reputation. You know the quarterbacks I'm talking about in the NFL. We don't have to necessarily go through that. But how does Justin Fields get to the point that he is somebody who sheds that label and maybe is that clutch quarterback? And what are the ways to quantify that? Well, I wrote a little of this in a, a piece uh, on Sunday for ChicagoTribune.com with Cole Komet just saying that, like, this group needs a breakthrough. And he feels like if we have one of those breakthroughs, now all of a sudden that belief will be there and then that belief will become a snowball that starts to roll in the right direction. You need to have it happen. A year ago, uh, we've mentioned this before on the show, Fields and the Bears were 1-for-12 on potential game-tying or go-ahead drives that began in the final eight minutes of a game. Their only success was that zero-yard field goal drive to beat the Texans after Roquan Smith gave them an interception with possession inside the uh, Houston 15-yard line. That's not good enough, right? This league is defined by guys who meet the moment when the game is on the line and they don't throw interceptions and they do overcome a bad play and still uh, manage to push the ball down the field, get you in field goal range, get you in the end zone. Those are things that Justin has to do. This is part of taking that next leap. This is part of the things that Ryan Poles and his team in the front office want to see to confirm with their own eyes that they want to continue building with him. Uh, Another stat that threw me completely was that the Bears averaged 3.6 points per game in the fourth quarter a season ago. That's astounding when you consider how often they were playing from behind and how often teams in this league that lose 14 times have the ability to just pile up garbage time stats and get garbage time production that, 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 okay, you know, we're getting blown out. Here we go. You know, we got the, these yards, these points, Mitch Trubisky did it a couple of times to the point where Matt Nagy threw it out at the end of the game and said, I don't take anything out of that fourth quarter production because we were getting beaten so badly. And that's just garbage time production the bears didn't even have garbage time production last year which is which is startling and so you got to get past that you got to get over that hump uh i think the other the other number was that uh you know fields in in two years now has um really struggled to to get over the fourth quarter hump there 22 possessions that began in the fourth quarter with a chance to tie the game or put the bears ahead the offense has scored on six of those drives that's oh. got to get better it's got to get better six out of 22 and you remember that night remember that monday night in pittsburgh when he was a rookie and you just thought like that that's oh, yeah. it like that you, you thought like that's it like that's the special sauce and that's what this guy's going to do on a regular basis he hasn't really done it since and he has to do it regularly in 2023 uh, for, for this to be the, the season that everyone in Chicago hopes it's going to be. And if he can, then I think that the future will write itself and there will be a lot fewer concerns and debate and controversy. That is the, that's the next level, right? That's the next thing that next he needs level. to do after he meets some of these other minimums and, and, you know, statistical categories, whatever, what he needs to do is remove the doubt in the fourth quarter and uh, assuming the bears will be improved enough to to be in closer games and not to have to worry about some of these blowout type things. But yeah, that's a really good, realistic expectation for a quarterback to make in year three. All right, the last two categories I think are kind of combined 
correct me if I'm wrong, but I think starts in the kind of uh, more arbitrary juice and some of the intangibles thing. And I think that when you talk about starts and you say 15, that makes sense to me, especially in a mobile quarterback that's going to be exposed to a lot of, you know, punishment and injuries and tackles. So I think 15 is a good goal to have. Uh, and still those two games, that's why a backup matters. And then so the juice is related to wins and how yeah. many how many that's kind of related into our next uh, segment about our predictions but how how would you combine the two and, and how related do you see those well no i mean there's no question that durability is a big piece of this puzzle and justin has missed seven starts in his two seasons with uh injuries to his ribs his ankle his shoulder his hip he missed a game as a rookie with covid19 and so he's got he's had more games that he's missed due to injury or illness than he's had starts that he's won seven to five Get on the other side of that as quick as possible. <laughs> 15 starts this year would be a, a, a wonderful, wonderful goal. Uh, it's part of the reason the Bears have have schooled him uh, since the offseason began on understanding how to take care of his body within games, you know, not subjecting himself to unnecessary hits, not using his legs unnecessarily when there's a check down pass available to you. Understand what it means to be durable in this league, what it means to be available in this league. And it's not anything to do with toughness. We've seen Justin take some massive hits, get back up and play through it. But when you do miss seven starts with a, a, a variety of ailments, now you've got to understand, okay, we need you on the football field. You are our guy. You are our engine. And your engine needs to bring the momentum. Your engine needs to bring the juice. Your engine needs to bring the direction. The reason Justin is so beloved in this town right now, David, is because of the way he made people feel in 2022 when he made those highlight reel plays. It's an adrenaline rush that's incomparable. People felt that. People inside Soldier Field felt that. Players in that locker room felt that. And so that's what Justin can bring uh, that creates that juice, that energy, that hell yeah, here we go momentum that we talk about for so long. Well, the general manager last week was also asked, what is next level to you mean when you're looking at this evaluation of your quarterback? And he said, win more games. Okay, let's win more games. Three a year ago, let's double that and add one. Let's get to seven wins uh, in 2023. Reasonable goal. I think everyone that listens to this podcast would agree that it's a reasonable goal. And if Justin gets there, then the conversation hopefully is moving in the direction uh, that that Bears uh, organization and the Bears fan hope it's moving in. I think you break it down pretty reasonably, and it is a rational way to look at expectations for this season. But I also think that the starts make sense to me because of what we talked about. But also, if the Bears win seven games, based on the enormous expectations surrounding Justin Fields, I think there'll be a lot of Justin Fields fans and supporters disappointed in seven victories. Seven and ten to me, represents a very realistic season in terms of expectations for this football team and improvement that you know, is is obviously twice as many wins as last year. But given what the way that Justin Fields is 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 thought of in Chicago, wouldn't that be wouldn't that be disappointing to some people? Maybe they're not maybe they're not rooted in reality in in kind of those expectations. And that's the point. That's our point. Your point. Whatever. But seven victories does not sound overly ambitious to me. Oh, it's, look, it's not overly ambitious, but it, yeah, it's reasonable. It's realistic given where they're coming from. You can't fix everything overnight. I, I mean, I, I think inside that building, there's an understanding of, of where they're trying to come from and how steep this climb is. Um, 
yeah, maybe some people will be disappointed if they lose 10 games, but there will also be people that will find a way to rationalize it and say, oh, we, we, we've thought seven wins all along. And it, 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 I think there's also part of this, David, is what what are those seven wins and those 10 losses look like? That's it. That's you know? it. And, style. And, style yeah. points. But let me ask you this. We had a conversation uh, re- revolving around this idea uh, on Tuesday morning with Molly on the Molly and Haw show. If the Bears have a losing record, seven and 10, and Justin Fields has a – you know, what would be considered a, a Pro Bowl caliber season. Is that better than the Bears finding a way to win nine or ten games, steal nine or ten games on the basis – and Justin Fields not really convincing anybody that he is the guy? Or is that even inconceivable? If if they're going to win 10 is the thought process, well, he's going to have to be the guy. This um, year, yeah, I think that's the case. I don't think okay. you've got – like this isn't Mitch where you were surrounded by the best defense in the NFL, you know, and you got credit for a bunch of stuff that was based on that's, that's, what Khalil Mack and Akeem yeah. Hicks and Eddie Jackson did, you know, uh, and, and those wins piled up on your ledger. I don't think this team is talented enough to – carry the quarterback i think the quarterback has to be a big part of pushing down the accelerator and pushing them forward so it's just a a different setup this year in that regard i think this is going to be a fascinating year because if you're saying that justin fields is going to carry the bears to seven victories i'm not sure i'm going to be convinced but i think i'm just going to keep an open mind we'll leave it at that because we need to get into another segment with another sound effect (laughs) our predictions All right, we've got our categories, and we're bringing Adam Sadzinski into the conversation, and we're going to zip through these because we don't want to keep people here all day. Hey, Adam. Oh. Let's get to the different categories as we have them here. And the first one is the Bears team most valuable player. Who is it going to be? We'll start with studs. All right, so this is probably going to be a trendy pick, but – I think that it, I have very little doubt about this one. I think it's going to be DJ Moore, and I think that he's. I think he's going to he's going to show what we haven't seen in a few years here with the Bears, which is like he's a legit, really good receiver who's going to help out Justin Fields a lot. But also, like I think this is an easy pick for me because I think he's the best player on the team, and I think he's going to show that as long as he's healthy the whole year, and he's been health pretty healthy during his career. I think he's going to show that week in and week out. And he's not he's gonna be a guy that they're you're not gonna have to worry about. Like he's gonna go out there, he's gonna do his thing, he's gonna get his yards, he's gonna squirt, he's gonna get those those yards after catch routinely and inflate Justin Fields' stats a little bit, like we saw in the preseason. So DJ Moore is my pick for Bears MVP. Dan. I'm going right along with that, David. I'm also going with DJ Moore. I look at that catch that he made against the Bills in the preseason finale. It's a basic play. Find a spot in a zone. Catch it 15 yards down the field. Oh, now you're surrounded by three defenders. Okay. Spin out the back door. Get 24 more yards. Like We're going to see a lot of that from DJ Moore this year. I I know. I can't disagree because he is the most predictable offensive player. He's got to stay healthy. He can, more than any other person in that locker room, make Justin Fields better. And it's all, you know, the most valuable, I think, is Justin Fields because of what he could be potentially worth to this franchise and what a breakthrough year for him could mean in the big picture. So I guess that might be the the no-brainer, but I think the way that he gets there is because DJ Moore will help him become a better quarterback and turn bad throws into good plays. And that, to me, is why DJ Moore is the MVP. Okay, we skipped over the record prediction, but let's go there next. Adam 
And if you say 15 and two, we're just going to mute you the rest of the way. I got to keep some credibility. I can't pick 15 wins. Not this season. Uh, look, you guys have kind of kind of hinted at it. Like, I there's still a building team. And so, like, I'm not going to sit here and predict playoffs. But, you know, I'm looking through their schedule earlier. And I this is going to be – it's going to be weird because I'm going to say – I'm going to say eight wins. And I know that's probably a little high, but it's it's probably lower than some people would think I would go. But here's what I'm really looking for. Like, if they win – you guys were just kind of hinting at this. If they win seven – to nine games, that's a drastic improvement from a season ago when they were the worst team in football. Like, that would mean they got to the middle of the league. But what I'm really looking for is a, a, a win late in the season or maybe even, like, three-quarters of the way through the season where you say, I can see where they're going. Like, I can see where they get good from where they are now. And maybe it's a win against, like, Detroit in December or something like that. Or maybe it's a win in Green Bay to end the season where you say, yes, I can see it. I can see where they're going and how they've improved and that a year from now we can predict playoffs. So hopefully eight wins, but I'm really looking for that that one little thing. I know that's a very specific ask, but like, like give me a really good signature win. win. You want to see your win. For sure. win. Yes. There's no question about it. I had a uh, GM tell me many years ago that one of the easiest ways to tell you where your franchise is at is at the end of the year to look at your three signature wins and your three signature losses and compare them. Which one was, was more emphatic? You know, it's a really good test. If you go back through every bear season of the last 20 years, you'll go, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh. Yeah. So you want those wins to be higher than the the catastrophic losses. I'm right on record here. Seven and ten. This Bears team is going to be like that uh, Price is Right mountain climber. And they're going to get from three wins to seven and they're going to stop right there. And that's where I've got them. I miss Bob Barker. I really do. (laughs) R.I.P. I wanted to be more optimistic after the preseason. And I don't want to be overly influenced by anything that happened in August, but I went into the preseason thinking, okay, maybe seven uh, and 10, the prediction we made when the schedule came out could become eight or nine victories. I don't see it only because I I haven't been convinced about the offense yet. I think they're going to be better at the receiving position. I'm not sure how they're going to stop the run yet. I think they'll get to the quarterback a little bit better, but given the uh, agreeable schedule, I can't go higher than seven either. So I think seven and 10 with uh, some ambiguity at the end of the season that I, I hope that we can avoid for everyone's sake, but I'm just not sure we're going to be able to. So that would be my prediction, seven and 10. Okay, the breakout player for the Bears. Who is the most likely player to break out in 2023 studs? I'm going to go with Tyreek Stevenson. I really liked what I saw from him in the preseason. I like the way that a lot of people are talking about him. I think that like you can really look, and I know it's one play, a small sample size during the preseason, but like the, the interception he did come down with in the preseason game against the Bills, I know the ball never should have been thrown, but he ran the route for the receiver. And that's the kind of thing that like that you really want to see from a guy that like stand out like, yeah, this guy can cover NFL receivers and he can predict their routes. And I really like the way that he talked during the preseason about some of the things that he learned in college. So I, uh, I'm going with Tyreek Stevenson. I think they might've found a, a real stud at, at corner to be opposite of Jalen Johnson. 
Studs is cheating off me, David. I think he's looking <laughs> over my shoulder on my sheet. I had originally written down Kyler Gordon and thought, oh, you know what, That's he's probably too uh, advanced right now to be considered a breakout player in 2023. And I wrote down Tyreek Stevenson. I've got a piece coming uh, in FridayChicagoTribune.com on Tyreek Stevenson. Love the way that this kid approaches things. He started off his uh, his youth career as an offensive lineman, uh, transitioned over to linebacker, and then they needed him in a pinch to play cornerback. And he said his first year of playing cornerback in high school, he got tortured. And what did it make him do? It made him say, I want to be the best cornerback there is. And that tells you the wiring of this dude. He didn't run from failure, just as he hasn't run from failure during training camp, during preseason games. When he makes mistakes, he gets himself back up, and he plays with an aggression and a confidence mindset that is going to be helpful. Look, there's going to be bumps in the road this season for him. No question about it. There's going to be days where you go, man, that's a bad penalty. That's a bad coverage bust, and it just cost us. But that guy is going to be trending in the right direction to become a long-term starter in your secondary Amos studs, Tyreek Stevenson. I like it. Both guys, uh, both of you guys have good reasons for Tyreek Stevenson. Certainly a lot of people you talk to about the Bears who watch the defense like him as well. I'm going to go with probably not that much of a reach. If you have a first-round draft pick, he's an offensive lineman. You, you expect him to break out and be, be established. That's not always the case, certainly. But Darnell Wright by midseason will be the Bears' most consistent offensive lineman. I know it's a, probably a low bar, but when you plug a guy in immediately right, at right tackle and he does everything right in the offseason, including conditioning himself like a wide receiver, you like his makeup, you like his tenacity, and you like his athleticism. So that's a good combination to have for a right tackle, a position the Bears really haven't been very good at uh, in recent years, but I think he stabilizes the position and is their most consistent blocker by midseason, and he's going to be a guy that can count on for a very long time. And, hey, if he can get open during the tackle-eligible portion of the red zone plays, <laughs> all the better. So that will be my breakout player. All right, this is always a difficult one. Most disappointing bear of 2023. Who's it going to be, Studs? So uh, this, I had trouble coming up with this one, but and I don't know exactly. I think that Dan Bernstein's getting in my head a little bit, but I I'm going to go with Darnell Mooney. I don't know why. I just don't have a good feeling about the kind of se- season he's going to have, and I, I maybe it's just because I want to see him in a game and prove that he's healthy, uh, but. I just don't, and I can't really put a reason on why I feel this way, but I just, I feel like he's going to have a disappointing season. So that's, that's all I got to say about it. Like Darnell Mooney is, and maybe, and hopefully it's not so bad that they don't even bother extending him. But I mean, I just don't have a good feeling about it. I don't know why. Sixth sense kind of thing, I guess. A year ago, David, I nailed this category with Valus Jones Jr. That's a little toot toot honking my own horn there. (laughs) This one might be too easy because it's a player who's already disappointing, and it's Tevin Jenkins who starts the regular season on injured reserve. We talked going into training camp that Tevin Jenkins' durability was going to be one of the key questions of this entire season. Can't even get to the starting gate of week one. He's out a minimum of four games, as we documented in previous podcasts. It's likely five because they have a short week Thursday night game in week five. When you have a guy that you were depending on to be a starter on the interior offensive line in a pivotal year for a quarterback, and he's going to miss the first third of the season at a minimum, the disappointment has already started. I don't know that, that Tevin Jenkins is going to start more than five games this year. And if that's the case, it's a massive disappointment uh, for where he is, where the Bears hoped he was going to be heading, and what it means for both his future with the team and what it means for the future of the Bears offensive line. So I stick there with Tevin Jones. I think it's a good one. I'm probably going to make some people upset by my choice, but I don't know 
that I'm in love with the idea of Khalil Herbert being the, the featured back on this team and being the guy that gets the bulk of the carries. And I think that going into the season with him as RB1, eh, I'm not convinced that that's a difference-making guy at, at a position that needs to be a difference-maker. So my sense is that eventually that'll become more obvious. And even though he does a lot of nice things in the passing game, I wouldn't be shocked if the guy they do love and would like to see succeed, I think the guy they drafted, Roshan Johnson emerges as maybe a bigger option on short yardage plays or just maybe overall as a feature back. And then maybe Deontay Foreman is a guy that steps forward in, in, a, in a role. And all of a sudden you look at Khalil Herbert, whether it's because of durability or, or whatever the case, I would think that he might be in line for uh, the most disappointing guy based on where the depth chart is right now. All right, let's go to our predictions for the division, the NFC North champ. Who is going to take, take the, the North, North. <laughs> in 2023? So, <clears throat> all right, I'm going to go with the Vikings on this one, mainly because I think that, you know, that, I know the Lions have been a real trendy pick, and I'm going to repeat this every year until, like, as, as, as long as I can. You can put this on my gravestone. This is a cornerstone piece for me when it comes to watching and observing and, and analyzing the NFL. The Lions are bad until they prove otherwise. I don't believe in them until I see it with my own eyes. I don't care that they, I don't care how they finished last year. I really don't. So I'm going with the Vikings because I don't think that – basically I think it's just going to be handed to them kind of like it was last year. And I know, like, we talked a lot about how that team wasn't as good as – their record last year, but I still think they're probably a 10, 11 win team and they'll win the division by a game or two because Bears aren't ready yet. The Packers, we don't know about their quarterback, and I don't believe in the Lions. Studs proved my point here, David, because when you talk to people uh, everywhere, and in particular in Detroit, the only knock that people can come up with for this year's Lions is that they're the Lions. It's the helmets they wear. It's the jerseys they wear. It's the organization they plan. I get it. I totally understand it. January 5th, 1992. Think of where you were on that day. That's the last time the Detroit Lions won a playoff game. So Studs makes perfectly <laughs> rational arguments about prove it. Uh, you know, I'm the see it to believe it guy. He's he's making the argument. See it to believe it. I get it. I understand it. But they look like the class of this division. Roster-wise, talent-wise, depth-wise, the direction they're headed. Last season's finish was, was significant in terms of uh, the momentum that Dan Campbell and that group wanted to build with culture. And I think it's going to carry over, obviously, in a division that doesn't have Aaron Rodgers anymore. And they are going to go ahead, uh, win 11 or 12 games, and, and, and take this division. Lionsing is a verb for a reason. It's because that's what teams do when they squander success. And the Lions have made it into an art form. So I can't believe in Detroit. I don't believe in Dan Campbell. I think they're going to do what the Lions always do, make losing into a verb, into a way of life in Detroit. So, no, I'm not picking the Lions. Uh, I don't believe in Jordan Love yet. I, lo I, I believe in Love, but not Jordan. And I think that until <laughs> proven otherwise, I'm not going to pick the Packers. I just picked the Bears to win seven games. That's not going to win the division. <laughs> it's a process of elimination. So <laughs> this is the AL Central of, of, the, of the NFL. This is the NFC North. And the best thing about it, every team feels like, is because they're in a bad division. It's not, I feel like it's Jerry Reinsdorf or Chris Getz talking. My gosh. It's the Vikings. They only have five primetime games. That leads them 12 to win in the daylight when Kirk Cousins is at his best. I also think this. Brian Flores is the most significant addition to any NFC North team in the offseason. And as a defensive coordinator, he's going to get a team – he's going to get more out of less. And so 
I know they lost a lot and they don't have a perfect offense. They don't have, but they do have, I think, a real good coaching staff. And Brian Flores is at the top of that list. Kirk Cousins, again, he's probably the other big reason. And Justin Jefferson. There you go. The best player in the division right there. You have the best player in the division. You got the best assistant coach in the division. You've got a, you're coming off a winning kind of season that where you just is going to be some carryover effect. The Minnesota Vikings will win the NFC North this year. As you were checking those off, I thought you were ultimately going to settle on the twins to win the the (laughs) NFC North because you didn't believe in any of the four teams that are already playing. (laughs) Next thing I was like two sentences away from ripping Lucas Giolito. All right, let's go to our Super Bowl matchup. Who's going to play in it and who is going to win it as of, you know, this week before week one even kicks off. So I am going to go with the Buffalo Bills to come out of the AFC. And I'm going to go with the I'm going to go with the Eagles to come out of the NFC again, because I think I think it's I think if you look at the NFC, it's really going to come down to two teams, Niners and the Eagles. And I think the Eagles win the NFC championship against them. And I think the Bills finally break through. I, I think they finally get over like their playoff woes the last couple of years. They they need to figure out what they're actually doing on offense besides Josh Allen go be a superhero. But but I think that he gets them there, and I'm going to go with the Eagles winning the Super Bowl. All right. I'm going to go with the Cincinnati Bengals playing the San Francisco 49ers in a rematch of Super Bowl 23. Uh, this time the Bengals are going to come out on top. Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, T Higgins, that whole group uh, gets through a absolutely loaded AFC. I mean, you could do a consolation bracket with the AFC teams that didn't make the playoffs and it might be better than the, the wildcard teams that the NFC will send. Uh, so it's going to be a, a totally different battle in the AFC than it is in the NFC, but I'll, I'll go, I'll go Bengals over 49ers. They're avenging a loss from 1989. <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting in their craw for a very long time. Hey, man. Hey, I mean, history just, is history. How about just a loss from last year's AFC championship? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That, those are good ones. Those are good ones. I am going to pick the Eagles to beat the Bengals. In a very good Super Bowl. I don't know if it avenges any grudges or whatever, <laughs> but I do think that the Jalen Hurts jump in this season, season four for him, will be celebrating a Super Bowl championship and being the MVP of it, likely, uh, rather than kind of figuring out what to do next because they are the most complete team. They're the best, com- most complete roster. They got better in the offseason. I don't know how that happens. How do you win the NFC and then upgrade your roster in the backfield? They got Jalen Carter. My God, if he's a Super Bowl MVP, I might eat a hat. I mean, that's going to be really hard, tough to take. But I think the Eagles in the NFC will beat the Bengals in the AFC. And I'm not picking the Bills again because I think if you check back the last five years, I think I picked the Bills to get out of the AFC. So I'm not doing that again. I had them last year. I think I had Bills Cowboys last year or something like that. But uh, yeah, right. I get it. It's tough. It's a tough exercise. It's really tough. In the, that AFC is absolutely stacked. And we don't even know where our it's guys. It's like the AL East friend, of the AFC. Friend of the Notice. podcast, uh, Aaron Rodgers. Where does his season end? Well, yeah, and, and the, the, the ridiculous thing is none of us picked the Patrick Mahomes Chiefs, which means they'll probably win it again. Yeah. <laughs> not without easy. Chelsea. <laughs> not without Chris Jones. Not without those guys. They're hurt. Yeah, that's They're true. Hyperextended knee. Hyperextended knee. We're going to have to see okay. about that for Travis Kelsey, huh? Any Ooh, more predictions? That's not good. <laughs> Any more predictions? No. No? Okay. We made all the predictions. Studs, we're going to need you to go back to work and get us another sound effect because it is almost time for our two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. The two-minute drill. 
All right, Dan. So before we uh, get out of here, I want to know what do you think, who do you think is the Bears most valuable, most important assistant coach this year? Because I just mentioned Brian Flores and I anointed him the best assistant coach in the division in a fit of exaggeration, maybe. But I do think he could be. Who's the Bears most valuable assistant coach this year? Coordinators are eligible. Yes. It's Luke Getze by far. Okay. This is Luke Getze's show. And like we've talked on the air and off the air about if, if Justin struggles, Luke is going to be the first guy to have tire tracks on him. This city is just waiting to find someone to, to blame for those struggles. I think Luke uh, is very in tune with what this offense is good at, very in tune with what this offense isn't so good at. He's, he's determined to get them playing. Uh, he talks all the time about play style, a brand of football that, that you can recognize when you turn on Bears film. And it's going to be paramount to do that right away against the Green Bay Packers. Again, I think we'll talk about this more later in the week when we break down the game itself. But uh, finding a way to establish the run offensively is going to be such a big, big deal to taking some of that pressure off of Justin and then allowing him to, to get those easy completions Uh it's going to be awesome to kind of watch him in year two with the, the the bond that he has with Justin. We heard from Justin last week talking about that, trying to put this puzzle together in a way that makes sense for the entire offense. Yeah, I, I don't need to hesitate uh, with that answer. What are you most curious about to see from the Green Bay Packers? How much they rely on Jones and Dylan. I really do think that this is a, a team that is blessed with two uh, different styles of running backs that can carry a huge load for you. And when you're bringing in a quarterback that you don't know a lot about, you want to make sure you give him some strengths that, that, you know, again, take pressure off them. And so like, particularly against the bears defense that we have no clue whether they can stop the run. I would expect them to, to just pound the ball and, and use a heavy dose uh, of running on Sunday uh, to, to, to get themselves going and, and how much they stick with that as the season goes will be fascinating because you know, as well as I do, offensive minded head coaches love to throw the football. Mark Tressman was guilty of this. Matt Nagy was guilty of this. Sometimes you just have to call a basic play that sticks the, the football in the gut of a reliable running back and take those four yards and not worry about how cute it looked on the whiteboard when you were game planning for the week. And so we're going to see if Matt LaFleur can marry himself to that now that he doesn't have an MVP Hall of Fame quarterback to run his offense through. We should have added this to the categories of predictions, but who would be your sleeper candidate to be the defensive player that maybe nobody is talking about that means the most to the Bears? If, if, I, if I'm allowed to say Jaquan Brisker, I'll say Jaquan Brisker because I just I really do feel that the camp he was having, the spring that he had, the, the, the skills that he had, the way the Bears plan to use him you know, as a guy who can sack the quarterback, as a guy who can take the ball away on the back end, a guy who can do just about everything for you, stop the run, play center field. Uh, he's got a chance, if healthy, to have a special season. And, and, and I think that's very realistic to say. So if, I, if I'm allowed to answer Jaquan Brisker, I'll answer Jaquan Brisker. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I, I'm wondering about the role Andrew Billings is going to play for a team that, as you say, from the very get-go is going to have to stop the run to be effective. If not, the Green Bay Packers are going to run all over the Bears and not have to see how good Jordan Love is. It won't, have, it won't matter. If, if they run for 150 yards or more on the ground and they're able to shred that Bear defense, then I, it's going to be an easy game for the Packers to win, I could envision. So Andrew Billings is as big of a run stuffer as the Bears have literally and figuratively. That's why he's here. And I think that he could be a guy, along with Justin Jones and the two rookies, you know, the four defensive tackles in, on the interior can can 
they've got, they've got to be better than they were in preseason. And I wonder if they can be. If they're not, Dan, it could be a long year. Matt Eberflus calls Andrew Billings Big Bill. So if you're looking for a uh, nickname to throw around on the air or when you're watching the game on, on you. Sunday, Big Bill is the guy. And look, like you invested a lot of money in your linebackers. And one of the ways that those linebackers give you the return on investment is if they're clean. And those guys up front can free them up to run around and tackle ball carriers because you didn't pay Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards what you paid them to just be making tackles nine and ten yards down the field. They've got to be they got to be guys that, that contribute to the running uh, game, the defense and, and, and make you more formable there because last year you couldn't stop the run at all. You couldn't rush the passer at all. And the losses and the failures and the defensive embarrassments added up week after week after week. I think we're over two minutes. I think we blew our first two minute drive. We've got a time. Bad clock right. management. Anything else that we forgot? No. Uh, first injury report Wednesday afternoon. We'll, we'll reconvene uh, after Thursday's practice. We'll have a lot more to talk about then, but yeah, Hey, here we are. Bears Packers week once again. Week one, right around the corner. We will have all of the breakdown later this week after the injury report comes out. Thank you for listening to the Take the North podcast on your free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for watching on the 670 Sports YouTube page. For Adam Sadzinski, our producer, Dan Weeder from the Chicago Tribune. I'm David Hoff on the Mullen Hall Show. We'll talk to you next time. Great talk. See you out there.